Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line, first edition of 2021. It has been a long two weeks without me, I know, but if you follow me, you haven't had to go without me. We did a lot of radio last week, and between that and Christmas stuff and everything else, we were we just took two weeks off of the show. And for a lot of you guys, once this video gets uploaded to YouTube and our podcast platforms, you're going to be like, oh my god, he's still doing his show. This is crazy. But uh, I like to surprise people. A lot of stuff's happened over uh, the past two weeks. Uh, and I'll just give you the brief background on this. Um, for Christmas, I had this grand idea to propose to Trish on uh christmas eve or maybe the day before my plan was to uh, take her down to the park where we had our first date pop the question everybody's happy oh yeah everybody's crying you know having a good time uh the ring i ordered because instead of just going somewhere in and getting it like a normal person i actually ordered it and, and it turned out to be a horrible idea because i could have gone to several people that I know in the jewelry business. And, and I don't know that they know that I've made this move and didn't contact them, but I dread when they do because they're going to be upset. But here's my formal apology. Nonetheless, we we um, order the ring. It gets lost. Thanks, FedEx. It gets lost. Nobody knows where it's at. They send a second one. Then a couple of days after Christmas, because the company sent a second one, because the first one got lost. The first one finally came in on like a Tuesday, and then Wednesday the second one came in. So now we're, you know, sending them back or whatever. So change of plans had to move to New Year's Eve, and I thought, well, this is better, because if I do it in 2020, I'm probably going to jinx the whole thing. And I'm, I'm trying to make this last, okay? So we're going to go 2021, just moments after the clock strikes 12 on new year's eve so we plan it out we're gonna go down there we got kind of a tradition we do downtown uh on new year's eve that we've done over the past two or three years so keeping that going we make that happen and then i'm like well let's let's run over here to the park which is next door to where our tradition is and at the park where we had our first date so we go over there and of course we get over there it starts pouring down rain i mean just dumping buckets of water and i'm like okay this is either really bad really good it could be bad because who likes to stand in the rain i mean can you think of a time where you were standing outside in the rain and you were absolutely miserable but on the other hand it could have been like a storybook fairy tale like the notebook where i'm in the rain proposing on new year's eve i was planning on and I didn't know that they didn't do this or if they're not doing it because of COVID. I thought maybe there'd be some fireworks in the background and that'd be really good. It didn't happen. Just rain. But nonetheless, I did it. She reluctantly said yes. And so we'll be getting married at a later date and keep you guys updated with all that. We've also got podcasts coming up from Trish and I very, very soon. And we're excited about that as well. First off, uh, second off, I guess. I want to shout out, give a shout out to Vapor Forge on 280. I've talked to you guys about those guys before, and uh, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate them. It's funny the way I met these guys. What happened was 
We were at Bailey Brothers on 280, for those of you familiar with Birmingham. Uh, and when we came out of Bailey Brothers, and actually we were looking for podcast equipment. So this was about two years ago when we started the podcast. When we come outside, we realize Trish has locked the keys in the car. And so we're stranded. And the company that's going to come get the keys out is like, it's going to be like two hours. And we're like, you've got to be kidding me. So I'm like, well, here's a vape store next door. Let's just go in here and look around and kill some time. Well, we go in there, and it's like 15 minutes until they close. And we're like, oh, you wouldn't believe what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, we'll just, we'll just stick around here till the tow truck gets here, and y'all can hang out on our couches or whatever. So that's what happened. We struck up a friendship because Trish locked her keys in her car. And now these guys, they obviously... Um, Obviously, support the show, and we appreciate them doing that. So make sure you go buy their Vipper Forge on 280. They've got this one location. Uh, they may be expanding in the future. Who knows? You never know what will happen. 4673 Highway 280 in Birmingham, 874-9010, 205-874-9010. If you live in the area, you probably know exactly where that is at. So go by and check them out and do me a solid when you go and say, hey, I heard you guys on the Over the Line podcast. And I uh, just want y'all to know, I like that Andrew McClain guy too. I do, I do. They also gave me a super cool uh, Donald Trump, Trump 2020 flag that says no more bs but it's actually spelled out it's hanging on the wall behind me or behind you i guess so uh thanks to those guys now let me go to this we have got a big week in front of us tomorrow if you're watching this on january 4th 2021 tomorrow is tuesday the the day for the runoff election in georgia Loeffler and Purdue going up against Warnock and Ossoff in a rate in two races that are going to determine control of the Senate. Now there's three scenarios that could play out. There is the scenario where both the Republicans, Loeffler and Purdue, win and Republicans maintain control of the Senate. There is the scenario where the two Democrats win and Democrats will then have control of the Senate because they will have a 50-50 uh, deal with a tiebreaker being whoever the vice president is. And this is in the event Kamala Harris and Joe Biden win, they will be the tiebreaker. Or a Republican could win and a Democrat could win, which would then keep control with Republicans. But nonetheless, it's going to be tight no matter who wins. And you never know, especially with Republicans, who will deflect on the, to the other side on any given issue. Whatever their motivations may be. Whether, whether as Lynn Wood saying they've been blackmailed or not, that's another story. And I'll, that Lynn Wood stuff is something we got to talk about as well. We may not do it today, but we'll do it sometime. But with all that being said, that is one part of our big week. The day after, on Wednesday, that'll be January the 6th, Congress will convene on Capitol Hill and count the electors to certify the President of the United States. Now, where does that put us at? That, put us, that puts it at today, where we're in a situation where over 100, 150, may even be approaching 200 at this point, 
Republican House members have said they will, in fact, vote to not count the electors from these states that are in dispute, which will ultimately, the goal ultimately, would be to kick it back to the House of Representatives to vote on who won the election. The rules go as follows. You have to have one House member and one senator to be able to trigger a vote on whether or not it would go back to the House of Representatives. At first, we just had a handful of House members that said they would do it, but they needed a senator. Josh Howley from Missouri came out and said, hey, I'll be the first one to say I am on board. Since then, a dozen or more senators, including Ted Cruz, Jim Jordan, and others, have jumped on board and decided they will be there as well. House members and, and senators objecting to the electoral results is not is, is, is not unprecedented. It's not odd. It's not something that never happens. It's not one of these obscure rules in the Constitution where nobody's ever done it before. It happens almost every year. But because this is a, a move to benefit the Trump presidency and to find out the real winner of the election, it's painted as crazy, it's painted as treason, for no other reason than the name that's attached to it, Donald Trump. Everything's unprecedented. Everything's an impeachable offense. Everything this man does is something we thought we'd never see. Everything's so dramatic. But if you just take the time to look at history, and I, I'm not talking about the 1800s, I'm talking about two or three election cycles ago, you would find out that this is just run-of-the-mill stuff. Now, when we're in an unprecedented situation where we've never seen voter... Uh, can I say voter? For, can I say the F word? Because I don't want YouTube to ban this. So, it, I, got, I got an idea. Instead of saying the F word, voter F word, we will say voter cupcakes. You like that? I mean, was YouTube going to ban me for talking about cupcakes? All right, so here we go. We are in an unprecedented situation where we've never seen voter cupcakes at this level. An unprecedented amount of cupcakes. You would say we have a baking crisis in this country. And because of that, this is that much more important. It's not unprecedented that these moves are being made in Congress. But the reason they're making those moves is, in fact, unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this. And this is the plan, probably has been the plan for a long time, but it is the plan going forward. Now, the Democrats don't want to rid our system of the Electoral College because they just think it gives them a better chance to win. If they can rid the system of the Electoral College, everything is more spread out. They're more likely to win the popular vote 
because they can put a little voter fraud over in this corner of the country and then a little bit over here, a little bit over here, over here, over here until it all adds up and they're always winning the popular vote. The reason it's so obvious this time is because they got put in a situation where they had to put all their eggs in four or five baskets. These four or five baskets were major liberal cities on the eastern side of the country. And I'm, I'm excluding Arizona, even though there's a ton of voter fraud going on over there. We can talk about that just in an entire show by itself. But because of that, they're putting all their eggs in those baskets. And that's why Joe Biden lost almost the entire country with the exception of four or five cities. And he only won those four or five cities because of tons of mail-in votes that just so happened to almost be all for Joe Biden. And then the icing on the cake, the icing on the cake is, was the overwhelming number of military members that sent in their ballots and voted for Joe Biden. We're not stupid. We're not. But the left and the media has spent four years painting Donald Trump as a crazy person and as a crybaby and a sore loser in the lead up to this. All that was 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 making the bed, was setting the framework for the final scene where they said, We've been telling you for four years. He's just a sore loser. He's he's crazy. He's a conspiracy theorist. And here is the the final showing of that. Here's the grand finale of the conspiracy theory loving sore loser Donald Trump. Can't accept his own defeat. We told y'all. We told y'all. That's the thing. They try to predict what's obvious. And then at the end, they claim they're right because they told you so. I'm right on this issue over here because I told you this was going to happen. No, we all, we all knew what was coming. We all knew Donald Trump was going to be upset with the results because we knew they would be fraudulent. This is not something... We've been talking about this for years. For those of you that have been listening to talk radio, podcast, whatever, for years and years, you know people like myself and others have been talking about voter fraud. Every single election. Don't you remember back in 2008 and even 2012, members of the Black Panther Party standing outside polling stations on voting day in Philadelphia with nightsticks and batons? In a threatening manner as people went in there to vote? That's voter fraud. That's, that's voter intimidation. It's that's a federal crime. It happens. It's been happening. But this time the Democrats said we're going all in because we are not willing to stand for another four years of Trump. We will shred the Constitution. We will throw Everything at it, including the kitchen sink, to stop this guy. Morals be damned. Constitution be damned. We don't care. And this all leads up, also, setting the framework of muddying the waters of the Constitution to get to this point where they can do certain things to get away with things like stealing the election. They muddy the waters of the Constitution, so when you get into a situation where you read the Constitution, and it blatantly says if a state violates federal law, 
federal election laws, their votes can't be counted in the electoral count. Or when Democrats want to steal certain states, and they know, we'll take Pennsylvania, for example, and they know the legislature is a Republican majority and that they have to have the legislature to change voting rules in order to allow the cheating to come in, what do they do? They go around that Republican legislature. They don't have that ability under federal law. Under federal law, they have to address the state legislatures and say, hey, y'all change the rules for us. But instead, liberal activist secretaries of state Governors, Supreme Courts, and lower court judges made those decisions that the legislatures are constitutionally bound to do. She went around them. This is this this plan, everything about this makes sense. All the dots connect. There's no there's no unexplained thing. The only the only things that are unexplained is when you present these to the Democrats and to the liberals and say, can you explain what's going on here? Because this looks like some shady stuff. Uh, I don't know. That, that, that doesn't exist. It's a conspiracy. This video is a conspiracy theory? Yeah, it's just made up. It's doctored. Really? Really? But when a when it when a tape when an audio tape of Donald Trump and Brad Raffensperger gets leaked, and the Washington Post puts out you know four minutes of an hour long conversation, it's not doctor. It's a hundred percent real, and we're in freakout mode because he threatened a Secretary of State. That's the latest scandal, by the way. There was a call, and this is. No surprise. This is not shocking. People, again, pretending as if we've got some groundbreaking a Nixon, Nixonian uh, a tapes being released or living under a rock or they're being completely dishonest because even Donald Trump tweeted days ago after he got off the phone call with Raffensperger, he said, I just talked to Raffensperger. I told him X, Y, and Z. I told him he's got a mess on his hands. The voting's jacked up, and he's got to fix it. So Raffensperger, in his office, in retaliation, said, well, we'll show you. We'll release the tapes. An old Democrat tactic. We've watched it happen for four years. Releasing information illegally. Releasing audio tapes illegally. So he does that. And what do we hear on the tape? We hear on the tape the exact same thing Donald Trump told, uh, Trump told us he said. But the media takes it and says, oh, this is, this is not just the Ukraine call number two. This is worse than the Ukraine call. This is worse than the Watergate tapes. This is the worst thing we've seen in American history from an American president. So what happens after that? Impeach again. Hashtag impeach again starts trending on Twitter. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Let me get this right. Let me get this right. We've got 15 days until Inauguration Day. And y'all want to impeach this president. But you're confident your guy's going to be president on the 20th? Why do you feel the need to impeach 
the president two weeks before your guy takes office. There seems to be a lot of freak out on the left. And I don't understand. They, they claim, because I try to get in their head, they claim it's just because they're frustrated with our reaction to the election. That it drives them crazy to see the people that they love, which is a lie, to see the people that they love be so fooled by a con artist in the White House. So bamboozled by Trump. That's what they claim that, that they get so aggravated about. But at the same time, we're hearing that Donald Trump needs to be impeached. We're hearing that Joe Biden in the Biden campaign has canceled over the weekend their inauguration parade. What's that for? I'm sure COVID will be used as the excuse. I haven't seen it yet. But maybe they're just a little nervous about what's going to happen. Now, I can't get on here and pretend like I know what's going to happen. Because I don't. But I can tell you, I know the left like the back of my hand. And I know they're scared. You can see it in their eyes. You can hear it in their tweets. You can hear it on their Facebook status. You can smell it on them. They're nervous. And they should be. Let me move over to this tape with Donald Trump and Brad Raffensperger. As I said, the Washington Post put out like a four and a half minute audio clip of this phone call that was leaked. And, and really, it's a national security issue when you leak phone calls. When you're a government official, you talk to the president and then you leak that phone call to the media that should be investigated. I don't care what was said on the phone call because there's there's 50 people on the phone call in the first place. The only reason you would leak it to the public is to try to change public perception. Which is all Raffensperger's trying to do. Same thing with Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia. It's all about optics. These guys aren't standing up for you. They're not standing up for the people of Georgia. They're not standing up for anybody. So this is an hour-long call, and I didn't want to go through the whole thing, but I started about 15 minutes in where the president has just finished explaining all of the problems that there are in Georgia and explaining, hey, we... We don't even have to get too deep into this. If we just go with the stuff on the top, with the illegal votes in the sense of felons, dead people, double voting, we win Georgia. We just knock all those out and we win Georgia. We don't even have to look into the voting machines in the Dominion voting machines that have obviously switched votes. Let's just go with the hardcore paper trail where we know this person's a felon, this person's dead, this person's an illegal immigrant. This person voted twice. Knock them out. And it completely changes the results of Georgia. So that's where we're at. And then Brian, I'm sorry, Brad Raffensperger then steps in and starts responding to the president. Well, uh, I've listened to what you know, the president has just said. President Trump uh, 
we've had several lawsuits and we've had to respond in court to the lawsuits and the contentions. Uh, we don't agree that you have one. We don't, we, I didn't agree about the 200,000 number that you mentioned. And I could go through that point by point. What we have done is we gave our state Senate uh, about one and a half hours of, of our time going through the election issue by issue. And then on the state house, uh, the government affairs committee, we gave them about two and a half hours of our time going back point by point on all the issues of contention. And then uh, just a few days ago, we met with uh, our U.S. congressman, Republican congressman, uh, and we gave them about two hours of our time uh, talking about this past election. Uh, going back, primarily what you're what you've talked about here focused in on primarily, I believe, is the absentee ballot process. I don't believe that you're really questioning the, uh, the, the Dominion machines because we did a hand retally, a 100% retally of all the ballots and compared that to what the machine said and, and it came up with virtually the same result. Then we did the recount and we got virtually the same result. So I, I guess we could probably take that off the table. I don't think there's an issue about that. Um, I think what you well, well, Brad, Brad um, not that there's not an issue, but because we have a big issue with Dominion and other states, and perhaps in yours, but we have we haven't felt we needed to go there. And just to you know maybe put a little different spin on what Mark is saying, Mark Meadows, um, yeah, we'd like to go further, but we don't really need to. We have all the votes we need. You know, we won the state. If you took these are the most minimal numbers, the numbers that I gave you. Those are numbers that are certified, your absentee ballots sent to vacant addresses, your, your out-of-state voters, 4,925. You know, when you add them up, it's many, more it's many times the 11,779 number. So we could go through. We have not gone through your dominion, so we can't give them blessing. I mean, in other states, we think we found tremendous corruption with dominion machines, but we'll have to see. But but we we only lost the state by eleven by by that number eleven thousand votes and uh, seven seventy nine. So with that being said, uh, with just what we have, and you know with just what we have, we're giving you minimal minimal numbers. We're doing the most conservative numbers possible. We're many times many many times above the. The margin, and so we don't really have to mark. I don't think we have to go through right. machines because right. because what's the difference between winning the election by two two votes and winning it by a half a million votes? I think right. we probably did win it by a half a million. You know, one of the things that happened, Brad, is we have other people coming in now from Alabama and from South Carolina and from other states, and they're saying it's impossible for you to have lost Georgia. We won, you know, in Alabama, we set a record, got the highest vote ever. In uh, Georgia, we set a record. Can I point out, I just cleared my throat on the mic, my bad. Can I point out that the numbers we saw, and for those of you that watch that are within the state of Alabama, most of us, I would dare to say 90% of us that went to the polling place on election day had a wait time longer than anything we've ever seen. Me personally, I did not because 
I went at a certain time of the day where I knew the lines would be down. But I was hearing across the state lines out the door, down the street, people waiting two, three, four hours to cast their vote. Something we've never seen. I even drove by a few of these polling places myself and saw the lines. Out the door, down the street. People that excited. Now, Alabama is a red state, obviously. But when you've got people, even in one place, in a conservative place, that passionate, that passion is spread across the country. Because Alabama's got every reason to not get that excited to get out and go vote. Because why? Because they know Trump is likely going to win. That's actually more motivation to not take time out of your day to go vote, even if you do want Trump to win. Because you're like, well, he's going to win anyway. What's the big deal? What's my vote going to do? But yet, we got historical numbers in Alabama. The highest numbers ever. And you mean to tell me next door in Georgia, Trump lost to Joe Biden? Seriously? (laughs) You can't win an election with no excitement. And you can't win an election because people hate the other guy, which is the left argument. Their argument is that it's not that Joe Biden was popular. It's not that people liked Joe Biden. It was just they hated Donald Trump that much. And think about this. Because Joe Biden won a mail-in votes, it is harder, okay? It is harder to, especially for the first time, which apparently most of these people were voting by mail for the first time ever, it's much harder to figure out how to fill out your ballot appropriately, get a stamp, take it back to the post office, and send it off than it is just to go down the street to your polling place, spend five minutes casting a vote, and then be on your way to work or wherever. Most people were voting on their way to do something else anyway. But we're supposed to believe that they hated Donald Trump so much that they were willing to go through that process of getting their mail, filling a ballot out, doing it appropriately, and then getting it sent back in time for the election. Right. A record with a massive amount of votes. And they say it's not possible to have lost Georgia. And I could tell you by our rallies. I could tell you by the rally I'm having on Monday night, the place they already have lines of people standing out front waiting. It's just not possible to have lost Georgia. It's not possible. When I heard it was close, I said, there's no way. But they dropped a lot of votes in there late at night. You know that, Brett. And that's what we are working on very, very stringently. But regardless of those votes, with all of it being said, we lost by uh, 11, essentially 11,000 votes, and we have many more votes already calculated and certified, too. So I, I just don't know, you know, Mark, I don't know what's the pur- purpose. I, I, I won't give Dominion a pass because we found too many bad things, but we don't need Dominion or anything else. We have, we have, all, we have won this election in Georgia based on all of this. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, with saying that, Brad. You know, I mean, having, the, having a correct, you, the people of Georgia are angry. And these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night, along with others that we're going to have by that time, which are much more substantial even. And the people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry. 
And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated because uh, the 2,236 and absentee ballots, I mean, they're, they're all exact numbers that were, were done by accounting firms, law firms, etc. And even if you cut them in half, cut them in half, and cut them in half again, it's more votes than we need. This is embarrassing for those election officials in Georgia. They're not willing to go back and recalculate or, you know, see if this voter fraud is real and then present it and say, ah, we screwed up. Because that would be embarrassing to them. At this point, they've doubled down so many times, they can't go back. So they're not thinking about what's right and wrong. They're not thinking about what the people of Georgia actually voted for. They're thinking about their own reputation. In their future reputation in Washington D.C., who would who who of you would be surprised if Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp were tapped to be a part of the Joe Biden administration? Would anybody be surprised by that? Especially with the Chinese ties that we know are involved with these guys, the people from Raffensperger's office. And the Dominion machines? There's a lot of shady stuff going on with that. There's a lot of kickbacks. Somebody got a lot of money. And between that and their reputation, that's why they're doubling down and not doing what's right. Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Uh, we, we talked to the congressmen, and they were surprised, but they... Uh, I guess there was a person named Mr. Raynard that came to these meetings and presented data. And he said that there was dead people. I believe it was upward of 5,000. The actual number were two, two, two people that were dead that voted. And so that's wrong. That was two. Well, Cleta, how do you respond to that? I mean, you tell me. Well, I I will say, Mr. Secretary, one of the things that we have requested, and we did, what we said was, and if you look at the, if you read our petition, it said that we took the names and birth years and, you know, we had certain information available to us. We have asked from your office for records that only you have. And so we said there's a universe of people who have the same name and same birth year and died, but we don't have the records that you have. And one of the things that we have been suggesting formally and informally for weeks now is to try, is for you to make available to us the records that would be necessary to confirm. But, Cleta, even before you do that, Cleta, even before you do that, and not even including that, that's why I hardly even included that number, although in one state we have a tremendous amount of dead people, so I don't know. I'm sure we do in Georgia, too. I'm sure we do in Georgia, too. But um, is that we're so far ahead. We're so far ahead of these numbers. Even the phony ballots of, uh, of Ruby Freeman, known scammer. You know the Internet? You know what was trending on the Internet? Where's Ruby? Because they thought she'd be in jail. Where's Ruby? Um, it's uh, it's crazy, it's crazy. That was 
The minimum number is 18,000 for Ruby. But they and and why is Ruby Freeman not in jail or not at least being interrogated? Why did Bill Barr decide he was just going to go home and put in his resignation without maybe talking to Ruby Freeman on the way out? Especially if he had the cojones to say, I haven't seen anything, any voter fraud that, that would change the outcome of the election. We've gotten videotape of this lady. We... We've got, we've got not only security footage, but we've got her very own video that she put on her Snapchat or her Facebook Live. She's going around bragging about what she's doing. Why has nobody talked to her? Now, I'm not going to spend this whole thing playing this tape. And if you guys want to go back and uh, uh, listen to the tape in its entirety, do so. Just remember the day before this came out, I guess this came out yesterday... Either the day before or several hours before that, the Washington Post released four and a half minutes of clips from this phone call that they felt the public needed to hear. And if you trust the Washington Post is going to give you an accurate depiction of that phone call, you can go listen to their four-minute clip. If not, you need to listen to the entire clip. Because when you hear Democrats, the media, leftists, telling you that the president has committed a crime on this phone call, that he's strong-arming secretaries of state and governors to overturn an election, listen to the tape, and you will be able to respond. Listen to the tape. It's important for everyone to do that. Now, in reference to Raffensperger talking about how they've gone to election officials and uh, the, the people of Georgia, the officials of Georgia, to explain away all the irregularities and the anomalies that they have. I thought it was an interesting statement. I said, well, I have yet to hear a response from anybody on the left as to what they're doing in the videotape when they're dragging up briefcases or why is ruby freeman freeman running the same stack of votes multiple times through a dominion machine nobody's nobody's told me nobody's been able to explain it they've told me it's not true but they can't tell me why it's not true and that's i'm just concentrating on georgia we've got things in michigan wisconsin pennsylvania that they also cannot explain so when i heard raffensperger say that they've explained it point by point i thought well that's the first time i've heard that Let's see what Raffensperger said, because I would love to know what the explanation is. So I did some research and came across another article from WSB in Atlanta, and it talks about Georgia election officials show frame by frame what happened in Fulton surveillance video. And I thought, wow, maybe. And listen, I'm open for somebody to show me the evidence at all times, no matter what the subject matter is, to show me evidence of why I'm wrong because I I don't like being wrong but if I am I want to quickly correct it so I can play damage control and then move on to the next thing okay I'm not going to go down with the ship with something that I know is blatantly false not gonna do it never have done it so I see this I'm like well maybe maybe my argument is about to get blown to high heaven 
and that I've been bamboozled this whole time by that con artist in the White House. So I start reading, and I'm going to read this to you from Justin Gray, WSB TV 2 in Atlanta. For the third time, now they paint this as if they're just beating a dead horse because we're, we're having to go to all this trouble to show you that Joe Biden won the election, and it's so obvious. For the third time, counties across Georgia have certified votes from November's presidential election. The outcome is not expected to change, but legal challenges are still underway. One involves video from State Farm Arena that has since gone viral. President Trump's lawyers and other support other supporters call it the smoking gun proving election fraud. You go down and it says Justin Gray, Channel 2 investigative reporter, spent the day with Georgia election officials going through the video frame by frame to show everyone what really happened. Ooh, this is going to get interesting. I, I do. I wonder what really happened. Gray looked not at just the short clip the Trump campaign shared, but the critical hours before and after that clip as well. State election investigators have already spent hours analyzing the video showing what Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, said was suitcases being pulled from under the table. They were, in fact, official sealed ballot containers, according to Channel 2. We can show exactly when they were placed in there, said Francis Watson, lead investigator. Watson said they weren't mysterious ballots that came from a mystery location. Well, that's nice to know that you know where they came from, but we knew where they came from the day we saw the video for the first time. Because the people presenting at the Georgia hearing these mysterious ballots being run after everybody left, they also showed us the video footage from when they brought them in. And they brought them in in the same way they brought them out from under the table with no one there. <laughs> there was a few people scattered here and there, but they weren't in full force counting ballots and getting the show on the road. Video taken hours before showed the table being brought into the room at 8.22 a.m. Nothing was underneath the table then. And at 10 p.m., when the room was full of people, including official monitors and the media, video shows ballots that had already been opened but not counted, placed in the boxes, sealed up, and stored under the table. Now, it's interesting from that video, because we've all seen the video, how this reporter could see that the ballots they were putting in there had been opened but not counted. And if they were, why were they open and not counted? There is a very specific procedure when it comes to this. You don't open them, peek inside, see what's what, and then count them. Or, or was that the plan? Do we, before we bring it out to the counting room, open these up, see what's in them, and if there's maybe some Trump votes in there, we'll just go ahead and toss them. Maybe. Maybe that's it. At 10 p.m., the room's full of people. read you that already. The reason employees thought they were done for the night. So the reason they're saying that they put the ballots, they brought the ballots out there and then shoved them under the table is because the employees were told they were done for the night. 
But according to this article, they just thought they were done for the night. Like, the employees just made a bad mistake of assuming that counting was over. Let's not forget the, the, the little-known fact that they made an announcement, and we actually have video and audio of that, of, hey, everybody go home, we've got a water leak, and we'll start resume, we'll resume counting tomorrow. They were closing things up and getting ready to leave, according to Watson, the lead investigator. Here's where the confusion comes in. This is the fun part. Media and observers left as employees packed up, but Fulton's election director called a supervisor at State Farm Arena a few minutes later, telling them to keep counting after the Secretary of State's office called and said they shouldn't stop counting for the night so early. Why so early? Is that to make us assume that they had a certain time they had to stop counting? Was it 12? Was it 1? Was it three or four in the morning? What is it about 10 o'clock that is so early? And why is Brad Raffensperger the one calling to tell them to continue counting after everybody's left? Because he obviously got word that everybody left. Otherwise, he wouldn't know that the counting has stopped. So he knew everybody was gone. Still called in and said, hey, y'all get back to counting. And this article goes on to say, after that call, employees pulled the containers of ballots back out and went back to work. When he says employees, he means the four people that were left over after everyone else, including the media, including ballot challengers and observers, had left. Now, you would think those five people that were left over, and five is a, a, a guesstimate number. I don't know. It could have been three. could have been six. If you are in that group of people... Wouldn't you then go to the supervisor and say, hey, I know they told us to get back to work, but do we need to like get a hold of all the people that left and tell them to come back? Because it seems kind of illegal-ish for us three, four, five people to be in here just counting these ballots by themselves with nobody watching. But they didn't do that. They just got right back to work. It then says, quote, according to Gabriel Sterling, with the Secretary of State's office in Georgia, no magically appearing ballots. These were ballots that were processed in front of the monitors, processed in front of the monitors, and placed there in front of the monitors. So what about the time gap between when the media and observers left and then the media and, and then the observers returned about an hour later? Employees scanned the ballots. These are just typical everyday election workers are are just doing their jobs, he said. This is not some Ocean's 11 uh, Ocean's 11 level scheme being put together in the middle of the night. There was about an hour that workers scanned ballots before a state monitor arrived, but video shows those moments. The monitor then observed counting until they stopped for the night. The lead election investigator has looked at all the video and said that she saw no evidence of wrongdoing. Do you notice the common theme, though? All of this comes from the directive of the Secretary of State's office, the guy you just heard talking to Donald Trump. Now you understand why he's so adamant about not digging into these, these, I don't want to say the F word, these cupcake allegations. That's why. Because he is knee-deep in it. 
He's involved in it. So, of course, he's not going to do it. Everything about Fulton County was a lie. The water main break, remember the water main break is why they had to stop? I, most of y'all remember that from election night. You heard the report and you thought, oh, God, what if the ballots get wet? What's going to happen? There was not a water main break. There was a toilet leaking, a leaky toilet. And the toilet wasn't even leaking when they made the call to send everybody out and go home. That leak was from earlier in the day and was quickly resolved. Now, why would that happen? If you have a leaky toilet, even if you're the person that maybe got a little confused on what the water break was, you said, we got to get out of here. If you haven't even seen any water anywhere, why would you make that call? And who made that call? Was that Brad Raffensperger? Was that the Secretary of State's office who then, immediately after sending everybody home, called back and said, well, I'll just go ahead and start working. It's too early. It's 10 p.m. It's too early for y'all to stop. And for some reason, all the election workers knew that there wasn't a time limit on when they stopped. They just knew they had to get in there. There may be a couple shifts, and they were just going to count till, till the, all the votes were counted. That's what happens every election. But not this time. Multiple states simultaneously stopped counting in the middle of the night. And then some... Have two or three people stick around and start counting after everyone leaves. All of the states have a common theme outside of that as well. And that is Republican ballot challengers and poll watchers being harassed, denigrated, bullied, and kicked out of vote counting centers. Straight kicked out of tabulation centers. In every one of those states. If you were to go by the Constitution of the United States of America, it says, it's plain as day, that you are to discount those electors that have those issues. Democrats muddy the Constitution for this very reason. The Constitution is an enemy of the Democrats. And they'll do anything to get rid of it. It's the reason they paint the Constitution as some old, washed-up, out-of-date document written by a bunch of white slave owners. Because the Constitution is the one thing that stands in their way to complete control and complete reformation of the United States of America. If the Constitution holds, if we as a country continue to live by this document, Donald Trump will be your president for four more years. If he is not, and Joe Biden takes the presidency, the Constitution no longer dictates the laws of our land. At that point, it's useless. That's it for me. Brand new show tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Podcast, CastPod, whatever. We're on all of them. Go check us out. Subscribe. Share us. Show us some love. We appreciate each and every one of you guys. Until tomorrow, see you, cool.